4: right before our very own eyes, the number one priority for everyone who wants to save America is to pour every single ounce of energy you have into winning a gigantic victory in the midterms and in 2024, he puts America last, we put America first. It's very simple. We would have had a deal done with Iran in one week. But now Joe Biden is squandering all of this hard-earned respect that we have or had, bowing down to America's enemies and embarrassing our country on the world stage.
5: And we will
1: make America great again. Thank you, Ohio. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. That was President Trump in Ohio a few days ago. And I thought, well, you didn't hear enough of him, did you? I didn't either. Uh, because it was hard to find, and so I wanted you to hear him again. And, of course, he's going around the country trying to help candidates who are actually America first, who love this country, love the Constitution, uh, get elected. He announced, I think, in that Ohio rally, I'm not sure, it could have been afterwards, uh, that Herschel Walker has agreed to enter the Georgia Senate race. Isn't that something? Herschel Walker, a famous football player and uh, legend, you know, great personality. My husband would tell you that he came to the FBI uh, Quantico Training center when when Bruce was training to be in the FBI and trained with them. He said he talks about what a great guy he was, but anyway, it sounds like at this point looks like Herschel Walker is uh has committed to enter the Georgia Senate race. so um that's that's um you know, I don't know who else is running, but it sounds promising. Um, there are other just kind of miscellaneous pieces of news I wanted to tell you this morning. President Trump uh, a year ago, gosh, it seems like such a long time ago. Um, so much has happened. When I was in, uh, we were in South Dakota, Bruce and I, to, to see the 4th of July celebration at the uh, Mount, Mount Rushmore. It was just, you remember me talking about it. We still have the photos and the videos, I think, on our Facebook page. It really was just spectacular. Well, of course, the uh, they wanted to have that celebration, Christine Ohm, this year too, not with President Trump, but uh, a, pr- a presentation and celebration at that uh, Seen and they they've been turned down. They can't do it. They've tried but they've been rejected. And so and and along that same line, uh, President Trump was going to be in Alabama for a rally for the Fourth of July, and now it's been canceled uh, by officials in Mobile, Alabama, because they said the it would be politically partisan instead of being patriotic. So that's been canceled. That's not a big deal. It's unfortunate, not a big deal, but just something. I thought you might want to know. And then here's something funny. I I read this in Red State this morning. I didn't get to read the whole article, but basically California has banned state travel to Florida and four other states. So uh, let me read the little clip from the AP. California added five more states, including Florida, to the list of places where state-funded travel is banned because of laws that discriminate against members of the LGBTQ community, the state attorney general announced Monday. And here's the headline that the red state that's red state wrote: California targets the free state of Florida, and laughter ensues. Yeah. So the point is that California, uh, Florida's flourishing. California uh, is just uh, languishing and flailing, and uh, undirected. And so <laughs> I think that's a great headline: California targets the free state of Florida, and laughter ensues. I like that. And then another little piece of information: Vogue magazine is, you know. Vogue, Vogue magazines fashion. I love fashion. I love beautiful clothing and dresses. I love that world. Well, you know, not the lifestyle, but I love the, the clothing. I love beauty. Um, and so all the years that Melania Trump was first lady, she was, after all, one of the world's leading fashion models, but Vogue magazine didn't uh, think she was worthy to be on their cover, so they've chosen now uh, first lady, Jill Biden, and they're calling her the first lady for us all. Uh, also a joy multiplier. So Jill Biden will be on the cover of Vogue magazine as the joy multiplier. Jill is very attractive. I'm sure she'll look beautiful. I don't know about the joy multiplier thing. She certainly propped her husband up enough to uh, help him survive that election and become our very very frail, undependable. A frightening, if, if you look at it, a president. I didn't even pull the clips today of him stumbling. I don't like to play a lot of those. They, they're in my inbox a lot, but I don't get any pleasure in that. But he is, uh, it's just, it's absolutely stunning. It's unbelievable that we've come to this point, that we actually, uh, we didn't, I don't th- think, elect him, uh, but somehow the wool was pulled over our eyes and the, the, the levers were pulled and all the forces went into motion. Uh, to get him elected. And he got elected with Kamala Harris, who came in last. When she was running for president, she did so poorly, was so disliked. And then suddenly she's handpicked to be his vice president. And uh, she's still very unlikable, but they are now wielding power over the rest of us. They're not really doing it. They're puppets, I think, uh, and their, their strings are being pulled by some very able leftists behind the scenes. But I want to update you on elections just a little bit. Speaking of New York, uh, speaking of New York, was I speaking of New York? No, not really. I was speaking of California. New York had as a mayor, mayoral primary. Uh, they just had it. And it descended into chaos. I mean, I know that's a shock, but it descended into chaos because um, they accidentally counted 135,000 pre-election Test ballots. So the results were just a little confusing. There are several people running. And uh, so uh, Brooklyn Bor- Borough President Eric Adams was the one to find the discrepancy yesterday. And so there are two uh, Democrats left. I think that Eric Adams is one of them. And I- I'm, I'm the other one is uh, C- Catherine Garcia and Ma- Maya Wiley. I'm not, I actually thought they were down to two candidates, so I'm not sure about this. Uh, this particular timeline on the article that I'm reading, but they, uh, whoever prevails on the Democratic side, if they can figure out how to get rid of those 135,000 pre-election test votes that they counted by accident, it's, it's, it's not funny, but it's becoming, you know, you start laughing, you start becoming so cynical when you see things things happening and you do lose faith in the election process. But if, um, one, well, when one of those Democrats emerges as the victor, they will face Curtis Slewa. Curtis is the guy who wears the beret who was the founder of the Guardian Angels. Uh, some of you not, might not even know that they uh, were in, have been in New York City for years just helping innocent people, not pol- just helping the police, like being on subways and stopping petty crime or assaults. Uh, just being the angels to to the citizens of New York City, and Curtis started that, and he's the Republican candidate. I was just thinking, I I interviewed Curtis years ago when he was young and I was younger. (laughs) And uh, so he's uh, he's still in there, still loving his city, and uh, something tells me he just might make a really good mayor of the city of New York. He certainly loves that city and has invested a lot of his own life uh, in making it safe. And so... um, I, I don't think he'll win. He's a Republican, after all, and that, that can't happen in New York, can it? Um, I want to tell you a few things around the country. Also, do I want to do this? I don't think I do. There's, there's a lot of different things happening. Uh, Arizona, is they're having a mass demonstration today. Any of you near or around Phoenix at Tor 45 today, that would be their time. Uh, they're going to be rally. It's a major demonstration because Jill Biden and Kamala Harris's husband are coming in, and uh, they want to demonstrate at Isaac Middle School school on McDowell Road in Phoenix, and that's at 1245 today, uh, so just so you know that, um, there's, mm, yeah, I'm not going to go into the weeds with that, the rest of that stuff. I want to talk to you about uh, crimes now there, speaking of New York City, tremendous amounts of crime. I read an interesting article this morning that was actually, it just feels, uh, my sense of this is, when something like this happens, it feels like the hand of God intervening. I don't know this police officer, but uh, in Florida yesterday, uh, two St. Petersburg officers, it was over the weekend, they were apprehending a criminal in a van and uh, the guy was fumbling and he ends up firing a gun, which just barely missed one of the officers. He felt it whiz by and then his gun failed uh, it failed. Otherwise, that, that officer probably, if he'd sh- shot accurately the first time, he would have been shot in the head. And if he, his gun had not failed, he would have killed one or both of those officers, likely, or seriously wounded them. And I, I think that any time that happens and your life is spared, so many officers are, uh, you know, they're just dying because they're being shot and targeted, that that's kind of a God intervention. At least that's, uh, that's the way I see that. But in spite of that, there are lots of people that are being harmed by terrible crime, and one thing that's happening is that the the Democrats are now blaming the Republicans for the mass wave of crime. I was at a doctor's office yesterday, and uh, the woman I was talking to just started musing about why, why is crime up? Why is there so much crime? And she only mildly, you know, keeps in touch with what's happening in the news. And if she's only mildly doing that, then she would not understand uh, that we're being played with. Lindsey Graham was on. Fox News Sunday, along with Cedric Richmond, who is um, a White House advisor, talking about this. Let's listen to their points of view. Clip four.
6: The Biden five point plan will not address the rise in murder and uh, vicious assaults in this country. We have a lack of prosecution and we've declared war on the police and that is backfiring on those who have done it.
5: Does Senator Graham have a point there? Absolutely not. In fact, Senator Graham doesn't have a clue. And let's talk about who defunded the police. Uh, when we were in Congress last year trying to pass a rescue plan, um, I'm sorry, not the rescue plan, but an emergency relief plan for cities that were cash strapped and laying off police and firefighters, it was the Republicans who objected to it. And in fact, they didn't get funding until the American Rescue Plan which our plan allowed state and local governments to replenish their police departments and do the other things that are needed. So, look, Republicans are very good at at staying on talking points of who says defund the police. But the truth is they defunded the police. We funded crime intervention and a whole bunch of other things. So I think that this is a very smart, comprehensive approach to dealing with violence in our communities.
1: So maybe not so much because the the American Rescue Plan, that was a $1.9 trillion plan, was all about COVID. Remember that? And the point has been made, uh, and I will make it again, that that bill had nothing to do with uh, re-energizing and supporting police. They talked about bringing in, you know, counselors to help. Uh, They talked vaguely about that, but they were talking about, you know, bringing COVID relief because we were all going to die and we needed money right away. And so they passed that bill. And that's what they were emphasizing, that that what, was it $1,200 a month or $1,400 a month uh, payment you were going going to get? That's what they talked about. They weren't pitching this as anything to do with police. And uh, just to kind of drive the point home, uh, the cities that are defunding the police— New York City, L.A., Chicago, Seattle, Milwaukee, they already have done this, Baltimore, Austin, San Francisco, Salt Lake City, Portland, Oregon, Hartford, Connecticut, and Atlanta, Georgia, and there are others, I'm sure, uh, have defunded their police, at least in part, if not fully. Uh, they are all democratically led. You cannot make the case. That's just not true. And so we can't let them get away with that, uh, that that Republicans are for defunding the police. That's just a real stretch. And then one more story that's really ironic. Here's another like, funny thing that's not funny. Oakland just slashed its police budget. And uh, while they were and, and working, let's see, okay, Monday, local Bay Area news crew, KNTV-TV, was interviewing Oakland's violence prevention director on the steps of City Hall when a pair of armed rob- robbers approached the group with guns and attempted to steal their camera equipment. Uh, so so what happened was Oakland City Council voted to reallocate $18 million of police funding to community violence Prevention programs. They were going to send out civilian violence interrupters and life coaches. So they're on the steps talking to this violence prevention director when robbers come up and try to steal their cameras. They didn't succeed because one of the crew had a gun. But that's what's, that's um, somebody called that irony defined. Another person said that's liberal stupidity at its finest, and certainly it is. But that's where we're headed, and that's why crime is increasing in part because foolish leftists are defunding the police, letting criminals out on the street, and looking the other way while people get slaughtered and injured. It is just unbelievable. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today, we pray for Supreet Anand, Deputy Director for the Office of English Language Acquisition at the Department of Education. Her office informs policy decisions on English learners in the United States. Proverbs 1.5 reminds us of the importance of education and learning. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Supreet Anand in her role at the Department of Education. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Pause to pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pray.org.
2: Hello Americans, I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting Go Visit to the number 49596. Again, that's Go Visit to the number 49596. The most attractive woman in Nevada is a man. The new Miss Nevada USA was crowned over the weekend Cataluna Enriquez, the first transgender person to ever win the pageant title. That means for the first time ever, a biological woman will not be representing the state of Nevada in the Miss USA pageant later this year. The Review-Journal, the newspaper of record in Las Vegas, celebrated the moment, pointing out that Mr. Enriquez had previously participated in transgender pageants before competing in the cisgender pageant. That's what they're calling beauty contestants for biological women these days, cisgender. Mr. Enriquez says winning the title is about inclusivity. But in reality, it's about putting biological women in their place. And how humiliating it must have been for them to have been beaten by a man wearing a rainbow dress. Be sure to order a copy of my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, at your favorite bookstore.
0: I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook. Or email Sandy at Sandy at That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the
3: morning on American Family Radio. The Biden administration is signaling a very real change to actual federal policy. The war on terror, now ongoing for 20 years, has pivoted in its aims. The war on terror is now being waged against American citizens, opponents of the regime. We saw this on display on January 6th. We told you a couple of weeks ago, based on language and publicly available indictments, that the FBI clearly had foreknowledge of the riot at the Capitol that day. And the agents we spoke to this weekend confirmed that is true. Quote, the FBI had sources in that crowd, confidential sources, snitches. That's 100 percent certain. But it's not just political protesters the government is spying on. Yesterday, we heard from a whistleblower within the U.S. government who reached out to warn us at the NSA, the National Security Agency, is monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take the show off the air. Now, that's a shocking claim, and ordinarily we'd be skeptical of it. It's illegal for the NSA to spy on American citizens. It's a crime. It's not a third world country. Things like that should not happen in America. But unfortunately, they do happen, and in this case, they did happen. The whistleblower, who is in a position to know, repeated back to us information about a story that we are working on that could have only come directly from my texts and emails. There's no other possible source for that information, period. The NSA captured that information without our knowledge and did it for political reasons. The Biden administration is spying on us. We have confirmed that. This morning, we filed a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request, asking for all information that the NSA and other agencies have gathered about this show. We did it mostly as a formality, We've also contacted the press office at both NSA and the FBI. We don't expect to hear much back. That's the way that usually goes. Only Congress can force transparency on the intelligence agencies, and they should do that immediately. Spying on opposition journalists is incompatible with democracy. If they are doing it to us, and again, they are definitely doing it to us, they are almost certainly doing it to others. This is scary, and we need to stop it right away.
1: All right. That was Tucker Carlson a couple of nights ago. And uh, just to put this in perspective, you know, uh, when we started really getting into this war on terror after 9-11, that's what we called it, um, the rules were bent a bit. Uh, The National Security Agency has tremendous abilities, so do the other, you know, intelligence agencies uh, to surveil or to access your information to spy on you, and they're forbidden to do that their their um their job is to uh protect us from foreign enemies their their job is not to or, or domestic enemies if they have a reason can get a warrant uh, if they feel like they're a threat to the United States. That that had been kind of the boundaries. But they changed those boundaries a little bit because uh, we got into a gray area where a lot of um, um, members of the Islamic Jihad were American citizens. they had come here, been born here. Uh, and so then what do you do with that if they suspect that they're involved in terrorism and then they can't by law – you know, access American citizens. So they started bending the rules a little bit. And that's what the FISA Court was all about. It was uh, this high level uh, requests by the FBI and other age, FBI primarily to be able to surveil or uh, tap f- troubling uh, they had reason to believe that people were plotting against the United States. But what happened under the uh, Obama administration is – and then when p- Trump was president is that all those barriers were broken down. They started surveilling, as you know, President Trump, the, his team, people related to him, his family, uh, and, it go, and, and of course, Devin Nunes and others. All of their enemies, the enemies of the Democratic Party and the Democrats who were you know, pulling the levers of the Democratic Party uh, were – I don't know if they all were, but many, many, many have been surveilled. And that's just against the law. It's just blatantly – Uh, against the law. And so, you know, for five consecutive years, the U.S. Intelligence Committee uh, admitted to the FISA court that they continually conducted illegal searches of U.S. citizen data. And that is just can't be. Otherwise, we are in trouble. That's like a state police. It really isn't. And that is really, honestly, what we're seeing unfold here. The NSA responded to say that uh, Tucker Carlson alleged that the National Security Agency has been monitoring our— this is a quote— monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air, end quote. This allegation is untrue. Tucker Carlson has never been an intelligence target of the agency, and the NSA has never had any plans to try to take his program off the air. NSA has a foreign intelligence mission. We target foreign powers to generate insights on foreign activities that could harm the United States. With limited exceptions, the NSA may not target a U.S. citizen without a court order that explicitly authorizes the targeting. Those are nice words, but um, I think that most people that I know, how, and I, and look, that whistleblower, took a tremendous risk contacting Tucker and gave him evidence, you know, of course, that they are, he had information he had no other way of knowing. So um, uh, Houston, we have a problem, uh, but we know that, right? And I think you know that reminds me a little bit of January 6th because these um, suddenly all these uh, credit card companies and uh, everyone started revealing bank records, Bank of America cooperated uh, so that we could figure out where these free people who had not committed any crimes were traveling and where they were just surveilling average citizens. That, that, that's not the NSA, although who knows if they were involved in uh, surveilling people. I don't know, but... Uh, it's very serious. Tucker mentioned uh, at the top of his commentary there January 6th that I do um, I do feel compelled to talk about this a lot because I have information that you might not hear other ways, and you need to know. I'm trying to just shout it from the housetops, the watchman on the wall, the, the Paul Revere. I have to tell you what's going on and prepare you, and I feel really uh, responsible to do it because I don't doubt that some of those people being held in D.C. I just would be surprised if some of them were not part of our AFA audience. I really would be. I don't know that because we don't hear from them. Uh, but uh, I know many of you were there, and as I've said many times before, I would have been there, but for an illness that happened to us. But um, and that I wish I had been. I wish I were in it with you. That kind of makes me feel badly, actually. I, I wish I were there. <laughs> I wish I had been there. But because I'm not there, I can report on it for you, and I want to tell you a couple of things about the FBI that are disturbing. I have it on good authority that the FBI has instructed their agents that uh, the, the investigation of all the people that it were involved on January 6th is the top priority for the FBI, and agents have been instructed that if they have any other uh, business cases that they're working on, because there are all kinds of cases, there's... You know, child abuse, there's abductions, there are bank robberies, there are, you know, crimes of in cities, et cetera, that had to do have uh, federal implications. Uh, that stuff, they're supposed to work uh, after hours. They're supposed to spend full time on catching and, uh, you know, bringing evidence against the people who were there on January 6th. And then secondary to that, but also very telling, uh... Someone who works at the FBI headquarters now has reported that everyone in the Bureau was notified in headquarters that starting yesterday afternoon, this came to me yesterday, so that would have been Monday, starting Monday afternoon alongside the American flag, the FBI is now and for the foreseeable future going to display the rainbow flag outside of the headquarters building. All right. So the agents inside, I've been instructed to spend uh, all day, you know, all their working hours, uh, you know, coming after January sixth, folk, uh, and uh, do the other things, those crimes and icky, inconvenient things, uh, you know, child uh, trafficking, whatever else they're doing, uh, that on their own time, or you know, in after hours time. So it's just, it's just amazing. It really is amazing, and that brings me then to. An article I want to read to you, another, a new one by Julie Kelly. Julie's the one who's been faithfully writing about this. Others are speaking about it too, but Julie's a great resource. And finally, we've gotten her connected uh, to people in D.C., and uh, her stuff is being heard. And it's causing, I believe, that we have had effect on congressmen waking up uh, to being silent about this January 6th thing. And that's why Ron Johnson is all over it and why others are as well. But uh, I want to give you an idea of how it's being reported And this will make sense in just a second. CNN uh, did a report. uh, I don't know the date on this, uh, but I want you to hear the audio. And then I want to read Julie's, uh, her background a little bit on what's happening there. Let's listen. Clip 12.
6: So this video came out today because CNN and other news outlets were pushing in court for the DOJ to release videos like these from the Capitol riot. You're seeing it right now. The guy who's going to come on your screen in the red jacket prosecutors say that he is Thomas Webster. He's a former Marine. He's a former NYPD cop. And this footage shows him attacking other cops on the other side of that line who were defending the Capitol. As you said, he was shown here wielding a pipe. That pipe was eventually wrestled away by the officer, but not before Webster, in the red here, You can see him throwing that cop to the ground. There are pictures of him grabbing at the officer's face. This is just one of the many brutal scenes from January 6th. And we're finally, even all these months later, starting to get a glimpse at the front lines, this brutal hand-to-hand combat from that really terrible day.
1: Okay, that's CNN. And if you're a CNN watcher, that's all you know. Because the Justice Department has been, as I told you, still withholding more than 14,000 hours of surveillance footage on that day. They won't release them. And so people that are defending people like Thomas Webster, who's in jail in D.C. right now, the former NYPD policeman. By the way, I'm going to get back to the story there, and I will tell you in a second that CNN selectively edited that tape. And we're going to tell you what happened before that time on the tape. And why maybe Mr. Webster did what he did. So hang on a second. Uh, the Justice Department has this 14 hours of surveillance footage. Why won't they release it? We've got all these people in jail in, Washi- in uh, Washington, D.C., in the jails, you know, held captive in solitary confinement, uh, being abused by the guards, uh, being brainwashed and you know, retrained to think differently about the election, about uh, about this country. It's just shocking. I talked to you about that a little bit yesterday. So, um, the, so what happened was these attorneys, some who are representing public defenders who are representing those people that are being held, are friends. I think many of them, some of them may be crooks and criminals. I don't know. But I think the vast majority were not based on my reading and knowledge of people who were there on that day, uh, in in those jails. It just, it just, it upsets me so much. I can't tell you. But, um. Federal prosecutors have been petitioning the court for pretrial detention of those January 6th defendants, and judges have concurred, Uh, and one of the reasons they have is because federal prosecutors have played selected clips from these 14,000 hours of videos. So we have, uh, what, I'm not sure how many are in jail, 500 have been arrested, I'm not sure how many are in jail right now, but news organizations and reporters have complained that they couldn't see those clips. During the viral court hearings, and so Beryl Howell, the chief judge of the D.C. District Court, uh, who's handling each one of the 500 or so capital breach cases, set up a way for journalists to access video evidence on a case-by-case basis. So the Justice Department is now is using that ruling to perpetuate the idea that law enforcement officials were savagely attacked by bloodthirsty Trump insurrectionists on January 6th or earlier. And now we get to this clip, clip of uh, of Thomas Webster. And let me just say that Julie's premise, and this again comports with other people I've talked to, is that uh, the question in her piece, the title is Did cops attack and provoke peaceful protesters on January 6th? Did they? It, were people perfectly, uh, were the people that were there the aggressors or were the police complicit in some of this? We know that some of the police welcomed them in that some great conversations were had in exchanges by police. I remember the one with the guy who had the the, uh, the big furry hat with the horns. Uh, he has a very nice exchange with an officer in one of the chambers, very respectful. So we know that this is not true of all officers on that day, so don't, uh, don't mistake what I'm trying to say here. But it sounds as though, and we'll talk about this, that some cops did attack and provoke peaceful protesters. And let's talk about this case of... Thomas Webster. He's a decorated Marine, an ex-NYPD officer with no criminal record. He was arrested in February and charged with seven counts, including assaulting the officer with a flagpole that was attached to his U.S. Marine Corps flag. He did not hit the officer with the pole. And you can see that in the video. I watched the video before I talked to you this morning. He's been behind bars ever since. So, again, he's in charge with... One of the counts is assaulting the officer with a flagpole. He never hit the officer with a flagpole. So what provoked Webster's physical exchange with another cop? In the clip, Webster screams at officers from both the uh, U.S. Capitol Police and the D.C. Metro Police who were fortified behind a row of bike bike racks. And I can't read what he says because it's, uh, it's vulgar. You blanking, blank, blank, blank. You blanking... Commie blanks. Man, you want to attack Americans? No. Blank that. That's what Thomas Webster is saying to the police. Had the government decided to include video of the situation several minutes before Webster's meltdown, it would have shown, according to court filings, police officers attacking and provoking protesters outside the Capitol who were doing nothing wrong. In a June 17th court filing asking for his client's release... Here is how Webster's attorney described part of the body cam footage that wasn't released to CNN. And, of course, you hear the music, so I'll have to come back and explain that to you. But we're talking in part, we're beginning our story with Thomas Webster, former Marine, New York Police Department, um, a policeman for a number of years, who was there on January 6th. He's been held uh, ever since that time on, what, eight counts, I think it said. Uh, And his attorney now is going to, when we come back, Talk about what was missing in that clip and what was the setup. Why did Thomas Webster get so upset at other policemen? And uh, we will discuss it when we come back. uh, Julie's article is called Did Cops Attack and Provoke Peaceful Protesters on January the 6th? We'll put this on our Facebook page, but let me tell you that you want to read this. There are lots of links in there that have other resources, and you'll get to see videos yourself. So uh, we'll put that on so you can do that, but I'm not done. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. Thank you for standing with AFA as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values.
5: Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to the most recent reports provided by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, researchers looked at fertility rates for women of all age groups and ethnicities and found the nationwide rate was 16% lower than what is needed for a population to replace itself. There has been much discussion about the demographic winter in various European countries. Well, that demographic winter has reached the United States. The first command God gave mankind in Scripture was be fruitful. But man has the penchant to fancy his own ways over God's. Rejecting God's ways always carries severe consequences. Listen
4: each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III. Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association.
0: Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. The founders called the Second Amendment the palladium or protector of our liberties. But Joe Biden's understanding of it is so skewed that he recently said the amendment, quote, limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own, end quote. Said the Washington Post, not exactly a charter member of the NRA, everything in that statement is wrong. The Post gave him four Pinocchios, the equivalent of their Liar Liar Pants on Fire Award. The truth is that when the Second Amendment was ratified in 1791, there was not one federal law regulating the kind of gun you could own. In fact, privateers even owned their own cannons. All this raises the question, if President Biden could be this wrong about the Second Amendment, what does he have wrong about the rest of the Constitution? Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio.
4: This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The House of Representatives on Monday joined the U.S. Senate in authorizing enormous investments to restore this country's competitiveness vis-a-vis the increasingly high technology threats posed by the Chinese Communist Party and its so-called civil-military fusion strategy. It's about time. We can't compete effectively, however, if members of our team are playing for the other side. Shortly before the House vote, Representative Devin Nunes disclosed some early, chilling findings of an ongoing investigation, including that, quote, Corporate America is a target of China's malign influence campaign. And unfortunately, we're finding that some U.S. corporations are willing participants. Beijing's influence on corporate America and China's overall role in the U.S. supply chain are significant national security threats, unquote. Investing gigabillions of dollars to enhance American competitiveness won't succeed unless and until Wall Street and other U.S. businesses stop aiding and abetting the enemy. This is Frank Effney.
0: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
6: So this video came out today because CNN and other news outlets were pushing in court for the DOJ to release videos like these from the Capitol riot. You're seeing it right now. The guy who's going to come on your screen in the red jacket. Prosecutors say that he is Thomas Webster. He's a former Marine. He's a former NYPD cop. And this footage shows him attacking other cops on the other side of that line who were defending the Capitol. As you said, he was shown here wielding a pipe. That pipe was eventually wrestled away by the officer, but not before Webster in the red here. You can see him throwing that cop to the ground. There are pictures of him grabbing at the officer's face. This is just one of the many brutal scenes From January 6th, and we're finally, even all these months later, starting to get a glimpse at the front lines, this brutal hand-to-hand combat from that really terrible day.
1: CNN also had described that as horrifying. I replayed that because I wanted you to hear it again in context. That's are talking about Thomas Webster, former Marine, former NYPD policeman. There on January 6th has been held since he's been arrested in the D.C. jail, and you heard what CNN said about him. By the way, that pipe, wasn't a pipe. It was a flagpole that was attached to his U.S. Marine Corps flag. You see how they twist everything? And again, as I said, he did not hit the officer with his flagpole. He didn't hit him, but he's charged with assaulting him, whether something to that effect. All right, so I want to go back to what actually happened because now Webster's attorney said, wait a second, They edited that video. They didn't even show what happened leading up to that. That's misleading. And so I want to tell you what happened, according to the attorney. For the 10 minutes prior to encountering the defendant, Officer N.R., now that's the Capitol policeman or whoever he represented, could be uh, D.C. police, can be seen reaching over the metal barrier and pushing a female protester holding a flag to the ground on two separate occasions. The protesters were, by and large, peaceful. It was only after tear gas and pepper spray were deployed by police upon this group of peaceful protesters that the crowds changed. Officer N.R., the cop that Webster allegedly assaulted, was equipped with a helmet, a shield, a gas mask, and a full complement of body armor. Protesters who did not attend the protest with a mask or a face shield are observed suffering the effects of being gassed and pepper sprayed by police. Officer N.R. can also be observed mocking several protesters who were complaining about this officer's excessive use of force. Angered by the use of police force, Webster, that's the guy that's still in jail, Thomas Webster, former Marine, former New York City police uh, uh, officer, is heard angrily referring to the police officers as commie blank blank. The video depicts this officer reaching beyond the metal barriers and pushing Webster in the chest. So the officer that he's yelling at pushes him in the chest. It is at this point that Officer N.R. again reaches over the metal barricade and punches Webster on the left side of his face. The Justice Department disputes Webster's account, but he made the same accusation under oath Webster did during a February court hearing. In his interview with the FBI, Webster also said the officer, quote, was encouraging me to jump over the barrier, like waving me on with his hand, end quote. Webster told agents the officer landed a big sucker punch on him. Now back to Julie's writing. Why would Webster lie? The fact is, he didn't. His bond hearing is Tuesday afternoon. That must have been yesterday. One of the most underreported aspects of January 6th is how law enforcement attacked Americans doing nothing wrong. Covering up the fact that police officers, including federal uh, U.S. Um, Capitol police officers, incited violence on January 6 is very likely the reason why the government refuses to release security footage. I'm going to just tell you that uh, in linked in Julie's article is a YouTube video, uh, and in the uh, beginning, at around the minute point, it's just people standing in front of the Capitol, and at the time, they're just standing around, they're waving their flags, and they're just looking. And the scaffolding is up above them uh, where uh, it's being built, where Joe Biden is going to be inaugurated. And the police are standing up on top of that scaffolding, and the people aren't doing anything. And suddenly you see the police launching uh, tear gas and other things. I'm going to get into the description in just a second on people just standing there. And you can hear the people saying, ow, what are they doing? Ow, ow, and you hear things change. I didn't get to watch the whole thing because it came to me just before we went on the air this morning, but um, that's I did see that part. So um, back to Julie's report. Uh, more and more emerging evidence seems to support the idea that police intentionally agitated protesters to provoke bad behavior, including verbal and physical attacks on law enforcement. A video obtained by American Greatness last month shows Capitol Police throwing flashbangs into a crowd of protesters outside the building. The device, also known as a stun grenade, emits flashes of light and a sound louder than a jet engine. It can cause temporary blindness and disorientation. Some flashbangs contain rubber pellets, which some protesters claim were the ones used by police on January 6th. Now, hang on, just hold, hold on with me. Even if, if you, um, some of you are all in and you agree with me, others of you are skeptical. But, but think about this, if you will. If you've been to the Capitol, which, of course, I've been there so many times because I've lived there for so long, uh, you have a right to you, you know. Would they have the Fourth of July celebration all along the, the lawn of the Capitol? It is the people's house. It's it's normal for people to be around the Capitol, and it's uh, it's not criminal. And so these people were not inside. They were standing outside. They are not. There's nothing going on. I don't think if you watch the video you'll see anything untoward going on. And then they just start lobbing these flashbangs. Uh, to, into a group of people that are doing nothing other than standing there with their signs, it, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. It's not the same thing as uh, the tear gas and the protesters in front of the White House when they were, you know, trying to set setting St. John's on fire and trying to bre- breach the White House. That's a little bit of a motivation for the flashbangs, are, are for tear gas, but not, not, not people just standing there with their signs lawfully. But that's what they did. And again, as I say this, I, I it's not, it can't possibly be all the police there in on this. Can't possibly. Uh, I'm sure they, they behaved individually. The guy that was, uh, the policeman that was killed, uh, whose name just escapes me in this moment, as I understand it, was pro-Trump um, in his private life. And so a lot of them, are, it's a mixed bag. Some of them were, you know, hate Trump, most of D.C. that's, People that work for the government in D.C. do. They did hate him. They're, they're on the left. They're bureaucrats. They're part of the deep state. And that there's no exception with Capitol Police and certainly D.C. police. All right, back to this article. They've been fro- throwing flashbangs, shooting us with bullets, Cash Kelly said on the video. These are Americans protesting the right way, and we're getting treated like we're not even citizens. By the way, Cash Kelly has been charged and is currently detained in a D.C. jail, used to house January 6th defendants. Micaiah Jackson was charged last month with four misdemeanors for his involvement in the January 6th protest, also witnessed violent attacks by police against protesters. When I was walking to the Capitol, I saw cops dressed in riot gear, and it didn't make any sense to me, Jackson told me in a phone interview. Law enforcement, Jackson told me, were dressed in all-black like paramilitary uniforms. Jackson said cops waved protesters up the steps near the inauguration stage. Next thing I know, a riot squad comes out of nowhere and starts attacking people, hitting them with batons and their closed fists. People are getting tackled. That's when people got turned up and started to get agitated. Older women, teenagers, and some children, Jackson said, were getting attacked with flashbangs. The crowd started yelling, what are you guys doing? That's why we, you, you see people cussing and swearing at police. I've, I've seen some of that video. I heard people say, what are you doing? We're for you. We support you. What are you doing? Another recently released video shows protesters yelling at D.C. Metro cops for attacking them. We've always supported you, one man can be heard saying to the officers. The USCP inspector general confirmed D.C. Metro police using sting balls during the protest. This was the same area where Robert Sanford, a retired firefighter from Pennsylvania, allegedly, allegedly threw a fire extinguisher at three U.S.C.P. Capitol police officers, calling them traitors and cowards. An infuriating video included in Jackson's charging documents uh, shows shows when police started throwing the flashbangs into a crowd assembled outside. The attack, which started at around one o'clock, begins at the one-minute mark. And that's the video I was referring to a few minutes ago. People mostly holding Trump or American flags and shouting "USA" react with shock and anger. They start swearing at the assaulting art officers. Some complain about getting hit in the legs and in the in the buttocks with rubber pellets. Uh, another recording in Jackson's complaint shows how the situation escalated with more aggressive behavior by police. At the 15-minute mark in this video, a line of both Metro, DC Metro, and USCP officers started to move metal racks into the crowd, knocking people over. As people resist and fight back, officers start hitting protesters with their batons and spraying them with a chemical irritant. The aggression prompted more altercations between protesters and police, and at the 20-minute mark, a woman climbing steps in front of the line of police is shoved three times by a policeman with a riot shield, once directly in the face and knocked down. There's no question, Julie says, that some protesters behave badly, but it's time to examine the conduct of the U.S. Capitol Police and the D.C. Metro Police to determine if they did too. Um, And then Julie asked the question, why did police start launching explosive devices into peaceful protesters outside the building at 1 o'clock on January 6th when no one was doing anything wrong? Why did police use super soaker sprayers to attack the crowd with pepper spray and tear gas? Why did they arrive on the scene in full riot gear, including gas masks and weapons? Did any police officers assault nonviolent protesters with batons or riot shields or fists? fists? And then she talks about how seeing that surveillance surveillance video would solve this mystery. If they would release those 14,000 hours of video, we could figure this out. And the reason, one of the reasons it's so confusing, I need to explain to you again, if you've not been to D.C., the Capitol's huge. It takes up um, what would be at least a city block or two city blocks, it's very wide, and there are multiple entrances. There on the south and the north entrance, and then on the east and on the west, there are lots of entrances, high entrances and low entrances. And so that's why you could see so many different things, or so many different things would be happening in so many different places. And that makes it even harder, and that's where the videos would certainly help if only we had access to that. You remember that right after January 6th, I had Mike Waller on. Mike is a friend, good friend, and he was there on that day, and uh, he's a national security expert. I should give his credentials here. Um, he, uh, let's see if this... Yeah, well, he's a senior analyst for strategy at the Center for Security Policy. He's an expert in political warfare, propaganda, psychological warfare, subversion. He's a former professor at the Institute of World Politics. He was a former instructor with a naval Graduate school, Uh, He's an instructor, a lecturer at the John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center and School at Fort Bragg. Okay, so uh, Mike knows a little bit about this stuff. So he was there, and he wrote a firsthand account, like a diary, of the day after this happened. And we talked to him uh, either that day or the next day after he had finished writing this. And he talked to us about all that he had seen. And he said, you know, I'm writing this. uh, This is what I saw with my own eyes and i'm not listening to news i'm not i'm not going to add anything i've learned since then or any more reports i'm just going to tell you what i saw on that day and it's it's fascinating stuff and now it's just been published uh in the federalist and so uh we're going to put this on our facebook page as well it's i saw provocateurs at the capitol riot on january the 6th and uh it's really fascinating mike's account of that and i won't i don't have time to go into it again but i do want to play one more uh, clip that we have uh, come across i don't know the context of this clip except i will say i don't know who this person is i just know that uh the people there on january 6th were are being called you know re- insurrectionists uh you heard what cnn said uh, about webster just saying the worst possible things about people that supported president trump who went into the capitol and some of them most of them i think were just innocent people you see, maybe hopefully You've seen the video of them just walking through and sitting down and, you know, chatting and taking pictures. It's really surreal uh, what they have made of that day. Uh, meanwhile, there was trouble, and we've seen the videos. Certainly, they've released as much video as they could of uh, what they call the violence, uh, and some of it was violent. Uh, no, And one girl was killed. That's really violent. So... Um, this is a video, an audio recording, and it's also a video, of a guy outside the Capitol who's just a, uh, seeing what's happening. And I want you to hear what he had to say. First-hand account on January 6th, clip one. Let's listen. They
3: are trying to burn down our Capitol, and
2: I did not come here for that Wow. It ain't patriots up there anymore. If you go look, they look like Antifa. They don't look like me. They don't look like you guys. It is, it is time. They are going to be hunting the families down trying to go home now. They got us here after dark. I see a lot of women, I see a lot of kids. Get your families home. Get out of here.
1: All right, so that's just an example of the kind of person that was there on January 6th. Doesn't sound like an insurrectionist to me. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
4: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.